What I believe was the title of two separate essays by the philosopher Bertrand Russell and the novelist E.M. Forster in the early 20th century. These two humanist activists set out their approach to life, their fundamental worldview, in a way that was accessible to all. I'm Andrew Copson, Chief Exec of Humanists UK, and in this podcast I'm talking to humanists today about what they believe, to understand more about the values, convictions and opinions they live by. Laura LeCole is a model, media personality and humanist campaigner from Northern Ireland. Laura and professional footballer Eunan O'Kane became the first couple in Northern Ireland to have a legally recognised humanist marriage in the summer of 2017. This was the result of a successful campaign and legal battle led by the couple and supported by Humanist UK. Aside from humanist marriage, Laura regularly speaks out on topics such as freedom of expression, the promotion of science, and women's rights. She's a founding member of Atheist NI, the first atheist organisation in Northern Ireland, and appeared as a guest on topical programmes such as This Week, Jeremy Vine, Newsnight, as well as on Sky News and BBC News. Most importantly, of course, she's a patron of Northern Ireland Humanists. Laura, thank you for joining us on What I Believe. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Now, your your biggest humanist claim to fame is, of course, that you're one half of the couple uh, that fought for and won the right for people to have legal humanist marriages in Northern Ireland. So congratulations and thank you. I think many people um, have hundreds, in fact, hundreds of people have cause to, to thank you for that. What was it? I thought we'd start with this. What was it that made you want a humanist marriage? What was it in your values and beliefs that made that what you wanted? Well, we are humanists. <laughs> so that's the first thing. That's the most important thing. Uh, it was the only type of ceremony that would do our our day justice. It was the only ceremony that would allow us to be who we are, to express ourselves and our love for one another. Um, it was our only option really um so when we find out that you know it wasn't the the right term isn't that it wasn't legal because it makes it sound you know something that's banished and frowned upon but yeah yeah, but when we find out that it wasn't legally recognized we were sort of a bit like what why Mm. and and then whenever we got speaking to you guys and we learned more about it we knew that we wanted to change that so and it was important to you in your wedding that you have something that reflected your your approach as a couple, your beliefs, your values, your identities. What was it that you wanted to to really reflect in that ceremony? Well, we we our understanding is that this is our only life, our one life. So to marry one person and dedicate <laughs> your yeah. love and your life and share your one and only life. Um with one person that's such a significant thing and I'm not saying it's not for religious people but it really it really is significant and we wanted to highlight that and during our wedding we wanted to put to show the gravitas of it for us you know how Mm. how big of a commitment we're willing to make this is our one life and our view on you know, our, our morals, our ethics, whatever way you want to say it, 
we wanted to share that whilst there, why we love each other, uh, how we want to live our lives together from here on in, what we want to achieve. And there was just no freedom to express those thoughts and feelings in any other ceremony, really. Mm -hmm. And you wanted to express them, obviously, in front of your family and your friends. Were your family supportive of, of this choice? My family was. <laughs> I can't speak for Unions because sure. you know he has his own story to share. I don't believe that anyone on either side of our family was up in arms about no, it. No. <laughs> um, maybe there was some disappointment from people, maybe even from my own grandparents without really them vocalising it. But we weren't... I don't think, well, certainly my family is not deeply, deeply religious. Yes, they're religious. Mm. They're not deeply, deeply. Uh, Union's family is more so religious. But at the end of it all, you just want the best for your children. Right. And and what it all boils down to is we are good people. And, and the values that we have as humanists are, are great values, the way that we conduct ourselves and, and go about her, our lives. So... You, you can't really be too disapproving of it, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, that's right. It's not like you were having a a, a violent, hostile ceremony where it was all aggression yeah. and <laughs> bad values. That's yeah, true. exactly. So, yeah. But it wasn't uh, easy, um, the the journey to being able to, to have this wedding. And a lot of people, in fact, most people, um, when they find out that humanist weddings were not legally recognized most people's reaction was not to take the fight to court most people's reaction was just to say oh well what a shame they're not legally recognized um uh we'll have we'll have two ceremonies or we'll have something else or whatever what was it um that made you determined to fight for the for, for the right to party <laughs> i knew that that was hanging in the air it had to be said but yes what was it that took you i mean are you a are you a combative person or do you th- were you seeking justice or did you want fair treatment or did you relish the fight? What was it that took that made you think, okay, this we're actually going to challenge this? Well, Northern Ireland, the, the, I guess hmm. just growing up in Northern Ireland and feeling stifled. That's how, that's how a lot of the time you can feel as a teenager growing up, you feel that the government is sort of putting the reins on things and and with the troubles. And I know I didn't live through the peak of the troubles, but I did see some troubles growing up. And and it it just, and, and how people are sort of, religion is so... It isn't even religion, you know, it's tribalism is so entrenched in, in mm. people's minds and, and neighborhoods. And it, it just felt like constantly, I was constantly battling, um, battling in dialogue with others when it came to, you know, worldviews or whatever. Um, I mean, even the alcohol licensing laws are so right. old school. Like there's just so many things about Northern Ireland that I wanted to change and this was something that obviously is deeply personal and it was something that I felt like I want to take this on and you know prior to that I had you know I had formed along with some others Atheist Northern Ireland and we yes. were the first atheist organization in Northern Ireland and we were a wee bit militant because we were constantly coming up against people who were saying you know what do you mean you don't believe in God <laughs> and really being quite volatile with us so we we um 
I always sort of just wanted to challenge things because I didn't like how a lot of things were and and this was the perfect opportunity for me to do some good I suppose and I didn't know if I could make it happen or work but Mm. it was another issue that really was personal to us this is something that's kind of in our way so right why why just let it be we may as well do something about it so you wanted to make a difference and you did it by take, tackling the thing that was in front of you, basically. This That's is it, what yeah. Was yeah. And the environment that you describe, the environment of Northern Ireland, which, I mean, is changing quite quickly even now, isn't it? Mm. Um, the environment sort of made you want to kick against it. So it's actually, it encouraged a rebellion in you rather than a conformity. Is that something that, um, you know, because plenty of people conform, plenty of people grow up in an environment like that and they don't want to change it and they just carry on. What was it that, uh, do you think, made you react against it? I mean, like you say, it's a big thing to set up the first atheist group in, in Northern Ireland. Were you, are you rebellious because your family raised you that way? Are you rebellious because you <laughs> saw something and just, you don't know, it was just in your, in your character? Where do you trace it to yourself when you think about where it comes from? Oh, I really, I really don't know. I mean, I had a lot of freedom growing up from my parents, which is mm. good. Um, so maybe I didn't really have any fear when it came to sharing my views on things. Right. I guess. I guess maybe you that. felt free to. You didn't feel inhibited or constrained because of your yeah. family giving that freedom. Yeah, that 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 but, makes sense. But you know, I was alone for a long time in my outlook on life and being an atheist. I didn't have any friends who were. It took me a long time to find like-minded people and if it hadn't been for Facebook you know it probably would have taken me a lot longer and a lot of those friends that I made were much older than me Hmm. but we all bonded over the fact that we we there must be other people out there who who see the world how we do and that want to sort of break I don't want to sound dramatic but break free of the shackles of how Northern Ireland is with the tribalism. Everyone just, it's, they just think us and them, not yeah. everyone, but it does seem like that whenever you're younger, it does. There is a lot of us and them mentality, especially if you're from a working class background like me. I grew up in right. a house in a state. So um, I grew up thinking there was a God. I, you know, I was a Protestant. Um, a lot of people, a lot of my friends disliked Catholics. I, you know, there was rioting going on. I've seen all that. I grew up thinking that that Catholics were different to me. And it's not until that you sort of read other things or speak to other people, even people on the other side of the wall, that you realize that hang on a minute, like there's more to life than this. There's, mm. there's, and that's as a, that's at a very young age, you know? So is and, that how it happened for you? The change in your, in your view, you encountered different people, people from the other side of the wall, talk to them. I mean, how did that happen? How, was it gradual? Was it sudden? Was gradual, it in, gradual. Yeah. I mean, even in my schooling system, um, I'm sure there must have been some Catholics in my school, but not, not, uh, openly maybe I don't know you know right. it's just the schooling systems are ridiculous as well um, I don't know it must have been just a small thing over time right you know but definitely so you can't peer it down it was just you, I you, can't you know gradually yeah. realize this wasn't if if something is all you know until you know otherwise like but once once I, even in schooling RE class the things I was being taught I sort of thought you know that that 
that doesn't seem yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really stack up um yeah and I think that's whenever I first questioned things that m- sort of made me move away from a religious so it sounds like this is all happening at the same time you're sort of linking this together moving away from a religious view it comes came hand in hand with moving away from the tribal view as 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 well is that right because I mean I know some people say it is yeah because some people say well you know Northern Ireland it's not about religion um it's about uh you know it's about history and um other you know more deep-rooted divisions it's not not about religion but it does sound for you like moving away from the religious beliefs and identity also was moving away from the divisive tribal feelings? Well, I think that it's very closely intertwined, mm. the the sense of identity in Northern Ireland when it comes to, you know, whether you're a Catholic or whether you're, whether you're a Protestant and British or whether you're Catholic and Irish. And it, mm. it's something that you don't, you don't separate it's just part of the culture. Right. It's like, you know, for God and Ulster and, you know, you got the bands marching and the Union Jacks and things and you just think, well, it's the same thing. So whenever you start to move away from one thing, of course, naturally the other is I see. put into question as well. But um, yeah, Northern Ireland is a, is a strange place. It's definitely strange. It's, it's, it's difficult for people outside of Northern Ireland to understand, I think, because, you know, we are so close by, but that that, that type of behaviour is just so abnormal um, over yeah, the water. I mean, that's right, isn't it? In the UK context, it's 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 very strange. I mean, it's been yeah. fascinating for me over the, over the years I've worked at Humanist UK to get to know lots of people from Northern Ireland and our work in Northern Ireland and so on, and to think, you know, that someone in their early 30s is talking about growing up in such a divided, segregated, tribal environment in the UK. And, you know, I I naturally think, how is that, you know, possible? Um, But it is and it's happening. An example of my childhood, some memories, is being in school, so it's secondary school, and we have to evacuate because there's a bomb scare in our school. Um, Walking home another day from school, it's only a short distance, but not being able to get access to the street which leads on to my street where I live because there is a bomb disposal unit mm. disarming a bomb um which I mean things like that walking to the the nearest shop to buy sweets and a car speeds down um has supposedly has a bomb in it the people inside flee in different directions yeah and that you know helicopters flying over your house because there's there's fighting happening, um, mm. paramilitary people carrying weapons past your house. Mm. We had the army standing in our streets at one point uh, with their weapons because there was paramilitaries feuding nearby and we all had curfews. We couldn't leave uh, our homes. So that's that's what I experienced yeah. and a lot of other people from uh, Northern Ireland, especially Belfast. Do you have any tribal feelings left I mean is there a tribalism no. in you do you catch yourself ever thinking thinking things from the past or do you notice oh, no, any no. no it's gone completely. I mean even back then I wasn't I wasn't at all sectarian uh right. not at all you know no so what, what's your identity now is it still an important thing to you and what is it no I I'm just just isn't it's not I'm something just that features. a human I'm just a human mm. and 
I exist on a rock in this strange, strange, scary universe. It has no answer. There's no reason to it that we can see. That's all I am. And that's all we all are. So that's 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 part of your humanism that that belief that what I am is a human. That's mm. where I am and who I am and what I am and where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Um mm. to me I I what matters to me is my everyday relationships, treating people well, uh being aware of my place in the universe. I I want to I always remind people, I try my best to always remind people of our place in the universe because I think that's mm. what puts life into perspective when you realize that we are insignificant in the grand scheme of things um everything is an unknown out there and I think that we don't every day we don't give enough attention or emphasis to that point because when when you think about the universe and our place in it I think that that's where our humanity comes from it's it's at that point that you can be reminded of of your humanity. You can be reminded that we need to look after one another. We are fragile, and we only really have each other. Hmm. So let's protect one another. Let's let's also work together to better understand what this thing called life is, and and what's out there, and make advancements to improve our quality of life and all life on earth i think it's wonderful that 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 someone can you know move from a growing up in a very divided very sectarian very tribal society into that sort of universal humanity and i i wonder if that might be when we see the growth of humanism in northern ireland because it's the fastest growing you know part of human uk now in the in the whole of the uk um do you think that that that's what these people have in common that that actually in moving away and actively moving away from a uh, a divided upbringing or a divided mentality it does push you more towards taking a universal view hmm. i mean that's just what it seems to from what, from, yeah. from what you're saying it's almost like because that 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 feeling that you have that view that you've expressed very um in very sort of beautiful terms very aesthetically beautiful terms um that doesn't just come from nowhere, does it? And for, for, it, it sounds like it's come from a sort of reaction against the opposite. And I think that, you know, it's almost like growing up in sectarian tribal societies is is good <laughs> if it pushes no. you to, <laughs> no. to adopt the alternative. No, honestly, I don't think it is good. I no, no, I, I, nor, I, do I. Think, <laughs> nor do I, nor do I, of course. And I don't think it pushes people out either. I no. really do not think that, no. I think it's very difficult to pe- for people to get out of that um, if it's all you've known, if it's the if it's the surroundings that you have. Um, mm. it's, 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 it's no way to live. And thankfully we are moving away from that. I think that the more that we can improve our education systems, the more that we can have children, uh, being schooled alongside children of different backgrounds from where they have come from, um, different religions you know I just think that is so important because that's the root of it all from from what you are exposed to as a child has has a great bearing on how you developed and and how you view the world yeah understand it I think everyone from Northern Ireland who's been on this podcast has brought up 
integrated schooling at some point and said yeah, how important so, it is. It's obviously honestly, a, it is. Yeah. It's it's just if you can if you if that is tackled, if that is improved, that's that's I'm not gonna say that's the issue solved, but that is a large that that helps the future significantly. It really does. Now, in a, in a rapid change of gear, I want to talk to you about your your previous career because I guarantee that you're the first person on this podcast and probably the first patron of Humanist UK and possibly also the last person on this podcast who had a previous career <laughs> as a model and as a glamour model in particular. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that is not just that um, it was your career, but you were very articulate defender of this sort of work while you were doing it. I mean. Um, We've been on radio together in Northern Ireland talking about humanist marriage. And, you know, I still stand by what I said, which is that you're one of the most articulate performers of uh, on radio and expressing ideas that I've ever been on a show with. Um, and wow, time yes, on. It's, true. You can't it's, just, it's totally true. You can't I, speak I completely, on. I, completely I do not that. agree with that. In a it way. is, well, you can't judge yourself. <laughs> I'm judging you for you. And it is true. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I think that's probably what you're like, is that whatever you're doing, you've got an articulate defense and account for why it is and everything. Um, and I think it was true of modeling as well, wasn't it? Because some people would talk of um, the work you were doing as if it, uh, and say that, you know, this was um, a negative thing in our culture, that it was objectifying women, that it was um, something that uh, it, it, it is not you know, to our credit. Um, but that's mm-hmm. obviously not how you felt about it in your own career more, or, or generally. No. And this is really a blast from the past because, yes, <laughs> years and years ago, I used to go on radio, TV a lot and sort of put forward my points. I don't want to say argument, but points. Um, I have not spoken about it for years. So bear with me while I dust off <laughs> that part of my brain. But yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, listen, for me, I just think it's another thing about, you know, liberation and living in Northern Ireland. You know, so many people deeply, deeply religious. Um, there was there was no I mean, in England, there was a lot of topless models um, in Northern Ireland. There wasn't. Mm. And even that I I wasn't. I wasn't okay with um, because I just felt that there was just too much judgment in Northern Ireland and you know I wanted to express my sexuality and I felt like I wanted to open up conversation here with women openly expressing their sexuality and the like and it's just something I wanted to do anyway so I did Mm. it and I really really enjoyed speaking on behalf of other women who had the same career as I did and I do feel that there was a lot of judgment in Northern Ireland more so than any of the radio or tv that I did in England right um but I I enjoyed that though as well because I think it's really important to challenge people's perceptions and you know I always came from a viewpoint of the science as best as I could and how you know people would say you know it's so sexist that it's just women that's topless why are there no men and I would say I'm all for men doing that but I you know I would put forward the science that shows that now I don't want to say this because the 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 data here the studies might be outdated and I haven't read anything since but at the time (laughs) at the time uh you know the the studies all showed that men were more visually I don't I don't want to say uh how do you say it politely 
more uh, more visually driven. That's yes, the, okay, <laughs> let's say that. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah, you could say, um, and more so, it was it was more communication for women. Women were more driven by communication. So things like that, you know, I would say, you know, what about the the science on this? You know, uh-huh. it's okay to have an opinion, and that's good. But you know, here's some things that can sort of back up and explain why there might be more of this than the other, and things. And I'm not saying that it's fair, or you know get get men on page three absolutely I, well there were men in this. Well, there was there was Why wasn't there a page there was a page seven or something there was i i remember right. i remember as an early teenager okay stealing my great-grandmother's copy of the sun every now and again lovely <laughs> yeah, there were there were men on Brilliant. one page i guarantee it at some point yeah in the past. yeah um you know was i mean i did argue to keep page three i mean i didn't really care i just felt that it was important to give people the option and so what you were so what you saw yourself as really uh defending here was a, a, as you say a sort of liberation because in the context of northern ireland it was so socially uh conservative and mm-hmm. non-permissive conservative. and judgmental mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you felt that actually what you were doing was um a revolutionary expression of sexuality well that is like um yeah i mean you could say that but i don't think it was probably as meaningful as that it wasn't as like, meaningful as that okay well no it prob- it was but i wouldn't <laughs> walk around and well i don't know i wouldn't walk around and say i'm doing this for this big grand no, okay. meaningful thing you know because that's that's taken way too much credit you know at, at the end of the day i loved i liked expressing my sexuality and i liked talking about why it's it's perfectly okay for women to do that and and that's that's what I did and I that's sort of here we are again with me challenging things there's a pattern going on here I don't know why <laughs> I think there is I mean it'd be interesting to know why uh you know where, where this where this comes from maybe it's just you're just like that but it's usually that people have been given freedom in their childhood like you said to well, express was, themselves to challenge yeah. things and 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 so on and so did you find yourself having to respond to the arguments about you know um because in england the arguments would be more that this is uh an exploitation of women and objectification of women and so on did you deal with those arguments or did you just sort of allow that they could have some legitimacy but they're not the context you were coming from um there is always going to be uh, you can't i can't say with a blanket statement that there's absolutely no exploitation going on at all because it's just not you just can't say that Mm. from from my experience and my experience within the industry no there there was none of that that I encountered uh you know I worked in an industry where the makeup artists the people behind the camera were women you know the the photographers the not all but a lot would be female um the the makeup artists um it it was a it was felt female led Mm. and a lot of people a lot of women became unemployed off the back of page three ending I mean I mean now looking back is it really important for for a topless woman to be on page three no it really wasn't but it's just the fact that you know there just seemed to be so much um criticism towards men or women who were buying the paper to look at that and and saying that it's not fair on the woman that she is being ogled on and it's like no it's a natural part of of being a human to want to look at uh the nude form right it really so there's is lots of art that, there's, of, of, that is the nude form isn't there and that's well yeah yeah but but it is the argument 
is was it necessary to be on page three of a, a newspaper? Right. That's like that's we don't need to debate that. I mean, that's neither here nor there. I don't really care. No. Is, is it important that women can can be naked without being told that they are being exploited? Yeah, it's important that we're able to do that freely and not be told because that in itself is oppressive. One life, being who you are, making a difference and expressing yourself. Laura Cole, thank you for telling us what you believe. Thank you. That was Laura Cole speaking for the What I Believe podcast. What I Believe is a weekly podcast from Humanist UK and this was the 10th episode of the 5th season. We'll be releasing our final episode of this season next Thursday. If you'd like to support the podcast, find out more about humanism, Humanist UK or the work that we do, you can find out more on the Humanist UK website, humanists.uk. And if you like what you see, please consider joining us as a supporter or member. You can also find out more about humanism by purchasing the Sunday Times bestseller, The Little Book of Humanism, available at all good bookshops. <laughs>